Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Serpent Cast. This is our fifth episode, and we've got a super exciting um, lineup of stories and magical, wondrous facts to share with you. I'm Casey Halter. I am Sophie St. Thomas. I'm Annabelle Gatt. Um, today, we are going to begin with Sophie reading from one of her favorite books, Women Who Run With Wolves. And then we're going to interview amazing, the amazing Cameron Glover. We're going to talk about nerd culture. We're going to talk about bath magic. And also my favorite part is when we talk about which fictional characters you want to hook up with. By the way, you can follow us on Instagram at The Serpent Cast and also at Twitter at The Serpent Cast. So please tweet at us and uh, leave us comments on Instagram and let us know what you think of the show. And thank you so much to everyone who gave us a five-star rating and who wrote us a review. It is so helpful. We really want to be featured on New and Noteworthy. And every time you do that, it helps us get there. So thank you so much. All right, let's move on to the episode. I've been making some really, really big strides on a book project I've been working on for a long time. But I was in a very toxic relationship a few years ago, and I could not write during that relationship. And I'll add that I am a sex writer, so it does tackle topics that could be difficult for certain partners to deal with, you know, whether it's my sexual history or a multiple sexual assault survivor, and that can be really hard for partners to read about. So I do think in general, I need a very strong partner who is secure in themselves and trusts me in our relationship, just given the nature of my work. But the unhealthy relationship, I could not write this book. I was having such a hard time. This person would use words, would call me things such as pathetic they wouldn't necessarily be talking about my writing. But when someone's calling you pathetic, in retrospect, I'm like, well, no wonder I had such a hard time writing this book. And no wonder I wasn't getting anything done. Like I just had this, you know, the people that love you are supposed to lift you up and, and support you. And I think, you know, I was single for a while. And now I'm in a, in a relationship with someone I love very much who is very supportive. And just how much work I've done getting has been very, very surprising because I don't think I connected all the dots of, you know, when you use the expression like toxic people, how true that toxic element is. If someone's bringing you down, it's not just going to be limited to, oh, well, this is date night, so I'm going to have a bad date night or my love life isn't going well. I think if someone puts you down and is an unsupportive partner, that will affect every aspect of your life. And so I really want to encourage all of us and all our listeners to be with people who lift them up. And there's this beautiful book that I would recommend to read. It is written in pretty gendered language. I thought it was from the 70s, but the published date is actually 1992. And it's called Women Who Run With the Wolves. But I would recommend it to everyone, especially femmes, women, non-binary folks. And it's really about getting back to your primal nature. And the author, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, uses folklore. And then she'll take that folklore and give her perspective. And it's, it really just reminds you how, how strong you are. It's a dense book. I bought my copy from Enchantments, which is a witchcraft store in the East Village. But you can get it on Amazon or also any bookstores. And she'll start each chapter by 
reading folklore from many different cultures and then giving her interpretation. And she has a she has a stern attitude. You know, she kind of like gets at you a little bit like, don't be weak. You're a wolf. And so I am going to read a passage from Women Who Run With the Wolves that I think really sums up why in my previous toxic relationship I was having a hard time writing. In Greek mythos, there is an episode wherein the gods decree that a group of birds called the harpies shall punish a soul named Phineas. Each time Phineas's food is magically laid out, the flock flies in, steals some of the food, scatters some, and defecates on the rest, leaving the poor man ravenously hungry. This literal pollution can also be understood figuratively as a string of complexes within the psyche whose sole raison d'etre, forgive that pronunciation, is to foul things up. This tale is most definitely a temblon, a shiver story. It makes us shiver in recognition, for we have all experienced this. The harpy syndrome destroys via denigration of one's talents and efforts and through a most disparaging internal dialogue. A woman brings up an idea and the harpy shits upon it. The woman says, well, I thought I would do this and this. The harpy says, that's a stupid idea. No one cares about that. It's ridic ridiculously simplistic. Well, mark my words, your ideas are all dumb. People will laugh. You really have nothing to say. This is harpy talk. So I wanted to ask my co-host and our guest Cameron if they've experienced this, whether it's from romantic relationships, other relationships, and talk about advice for people if someone's literally shitting on you and you and your work. Um, <laughs> I think the whole time you were talking, what really spoke out to me was non-romantic relationships and like ideas of community. So I feel like I've had a lot of, I've had a hard time of like letting go of like platonic relationships that I've just simply outgrown. And I think that there's like a lot of us have resistance to change because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> like why, why would you want to change when like we're fine right here? But I think that going through these different processes and just like understanding that like you can still have love for someone and just not fit in each other's lives in the same ways like that's really powerful but also in that like when people are resistant to change like they can interpret that resistance in different ways and like sometimes that can be very toxic and very violent and very unhealthy and just like something that's been really helping me has just been really going inward and like understanding that this is how this other person is processing but this isn't a reflection of my worth or a reflection of you know, me at all. Like most of the time it has nothing to do with me whatsoever. Like this is just this person's resistance and like where they're at in their own journey. So I guess like my biggest advice would just be to dive deep and really hone in on your intuition because most of the times the things that we need and the things we're seeking for, they do really exist inside of us. I think one thing, I mean, I helped you through this breakup like a lot and like literally threatened this dude out of your house and like <laughs> was able to fight him. But I think oh, something that we talk a lot about is there are certain people who are psychic vampires. Yes. And mm -hmm. they sort of like come into your life and they suck your light because they either insecure or they don't have any light of their own. And it's hard to find those people because gen like in a lot of cases, those people can appear very charming. 
mm-hmm. or they can appear very interesting or they might feel appear like tortured souls and like oh I can like help them I can fix them or like I can but yeah I think just the idea of like the harpy like coming in and eating all the food and then shitting all over it like there <laughs> I are, love that imagery I too. love that imagery and there are so many people in this world who are like that and like I don't know going back to the ideas of some of our past episodes around psychic defense and around, yeah, once again, as you Mm. said, like following your intuition. I think that's something as women, since we are such caretakers Mm. and we're such, we want to fix people and help people. But like, yeah, that's something that I think as we're all sort of getting older and reaching our late 20s and early 30s, it's like we're realizing how to recognize those people. And Mm. I think this is such a strong part in your life now. And I love seeing the fact that you can write your book and that you're finally feeling strong and finally feeling empowered. It's beautiful. Thank you. It's, it's, I think it's a difficult line in any toxic relationship to separate. I mean, there's, there's valid criticism, people that I love and, and trust if I'm acting inappropriately or I've done something wrong. I don't think we should just be like, yes, men to our friends. We need people mm-hmm. to, to tell us when we're fucking up but that's different than someone who is just really insecure and just wants to bring you down like specifically to emo- emotional abuse or really any type of abuse it can be so insidious it takes its time to show itself often you know someone can be very charming and your biggest fan and then you get to a level where they feel comfortable enough with you that they can want to start to control you and maybe they'll call you a bad name and you'll be like that was weird and blow it off like sometimes this stuff that is this abusive toxic shit it can it can be hard to it can really creep up on you in my experience and that's pretty scary all right thank you we are here with cameron one of my best friends most powerful witches i know cameron how are you i'm good how are you i'm good will you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to yeah so um i guess the short version of like who i am and what i do i'm a freelance writer a sex educator a pisces son (laughs) all very important things um so yeah that's pretty much the gist also i am a co-host on Nerds of Prey, which I'm sure we'll get into later, but it is a all black women led podcast and we talk about nerd culture, everything from like video games to movies and just talk shit and have fun. Cool. Yeah. Well, I am really interested. Um, I totally stalked Nerds of Prey on the internet yes. today and it's rad. <laughs> Thank you. And I also like earlier you sort of mentioned that um you don't really think of your magic as separate from your witchcraft from your job or from your Mm -hmm. podcast and like I am like also a huge nerd I like play a lot of played a lot of Pokemon Go I play like fantasy role-playing games I watch Star Trek every Mm -hmm. night and like I personally am like really attracted to both because I feel like there's so many like weird fantasy similarities and all of that but I would love to hear about like how you sort of blend the two in your life oh my gosh yeah so actually I have like a quick story too because I'm thinking about like manifestation being like one of the um things that I like to focus on with my personal witchcraft but also I feel like the way nerds of prey came together was also like just powerful manifestation that we all did at the same time um so we started the podcast about like over a year ago 
And one of my co-hosts, Shannon, she was looking specifically for a Black-led podcast that was hosted by all women. And at the time, there weren't, like, we couldn't find what she was looking for. Like, she tagged all of us who are now, like, the co-hosts in it. And we were all kind of, like, you know, crowdsourcing and, like, had a little thread going. Um, And then I just, like, was jokingly, like, well, since we can't find any, I guess we have to, like, make it ourselves. And everyone was like, you're right. I'm like, whoa, I was kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea how to do a podcast. And nobody else did either. So we really just were like, there's, if we want it, like, there's an audience for it. So we're just going to dive in and figure it out. And, like, we're still thriving and still here. And people listen to us. Um, But also it's been just, like, a really powerful, like, community thing. Like, I feel super close with all my co-hosts. And, like, we have amazing, amazing guests. So we just did a recording with Tracy Toms, which was amazing. Um, She's, like, best known for playing Joanne in Rent. Yeah, yeah, and she was incredible. Um, And just, like, we've interviewed other people um, from, like, different shows that we've watched and other podcasters and, like, other people in, like, our nerd culture, like, sphere. And it's just been, like, a really cool, interesting uh, learning experience, too. But kind of, like, going back, I guess, to what I was saying earlier, I... I kind of see like different parts of my identity as like one big thing. I don't necessarily see them as like today I'm going to focus on this and today I'm going to focus on that. They all kind of like inter like weave within each other. So in terms of like, I guess how I practice witchcraft and how I look at my witchcraft, I kind of just see that as an extension of myself Um, and like an extension of like my identity as a black femme, as a black queer person, like, all of these things kind of go into how I practice magic and how I look into it. So I don't really see one thing as like more or one part of it is like more important than other parts. They all kind of like come together to make me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what are your favorite things to nerd out about? Oh God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like really, okay. So I think my favorite thing to do is to like once I get into like a new thing so I'm really big fan of anime Mm -hmm. so my favorite thing to do is like if I'm really into like a series let's say like Attack on Titan or something I'll like go on like wiki and like go on tumblr and look at like fan theories and then try and like theorize about what's gonna happen next um and it's like really interesting looking at different people's interpretations of different things. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, it's, like, really, really fascinating, and I'm just such a, like, I don't know, I like learning. I like just hearing what other people are thinking and be like, oh, that's super smart. Why didn't I catch that? (laughs) Um, So, like, that is, like, kind of how I interject into, like, the fandom. But also, recently, I've been getting back into fan fiction. Oh, yeah. Which has been amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, very specifically, um, and it's, like, a super niche thing, but there's this anime called Inuyasha, and it's, like, a historical, uh, like, romance anime. So I've, like been getting back into that and the show like ended in like the mid 2000s but there's been like this weird like resurgence on tumblr of people just like making fan art and like doing fan fiction and stuff so and it's been like really good just like rediscovering this thing that I've loved for such a long time and like it's come back and like other people are into it too but also like fan fiction is just super fascinating 
I love fan fiction, sort of as an aside, but I had like a sexual awakening to Harry Potter fan fiction yes, when I, I was like, like 11. Yeah, I feel like everybody <laughs> did. <laughs> it was like my first exposure to like softcore text-based pornography. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember, <laughs> ooh, like I remember being in school and like I would, this was like before internet on the phone was like a thing. So like I would <laughs> go to like, um, like the Boys and Girls Club or like the library after school and I would print out like three chapters ahead and I had like a folder specifically dedicated for fan fiction so when I was done with like all my schoolwork and stuff I would like pull this out and it would be like stuff that I probably shouldn't have been reading at the time but (laughs) it was cool because it was like you know nobody knows what I'm reading but like this fan fiction is really good (laughs) I have to know um what is what is the dirtiest fan fiction you've ever read that, that sticks out in your mind that to this day you're like, wow, I read that. I sat there and finished the whole thing. Because oh, there's so, there's so many. Oh, dear. Okay. this. What was the last thing you're like, I need to delete this from my history. Okay. There was, yeah. All right. So I got one. Because um, normally... I feel like the things that are sticking out in my mind are the ones that have just really terrible grammar. Like there's oh. no spacing, no nothing. And like my mind is just like, how do I read this? But the one that I read, it was like super absurd. It was like an orgy one. Like all the characters were like possessed. Characters from what? It was Inuyasha fan fiction. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like the mate, there's like four main characters and they were all like possessed and just like had this giant foursome. <laughs> but like in the middle of it, two of the characters were like, um, this is weird. Uh, you literally just said that you're not into dudes and you just took his entire dick in your ass. Um, That's real. Is, yeah. <laughs> I, same. I was like, sometimes that happens. But it turns out there was like they were being possessed by like this demon. So they're trying to like. So Not, there was a reason. Yeah, there was a reason, but it was kind of like, I don't know, all over the place. And it didn't like tie together until the end. And I was like, no, I read the entire thing. <laughs> I was committed. I'm captivated. I admit that um, my anime knowledge is limited, but I still need to read this fan fiction now. About the I will, I will send you links. Please do. Casey, do you have one that comes to mind? I used to read a lot of like Draco Malfoy fan fiction. Okay, Draco had the best erotic fan fiction though. Yeah, because he? he was like evil and horrible, and it was like you know you like him like doing sort of sociopathic sexual things. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> do you do you do you all know who my celebrity crush is? No. Who? Littlefinger from Game I of Thrones. Knew that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you read Game of Thrones fan fiction? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, there's a market for that. Oh, yes. I am that market. (laughs) (laughs) I love Peter Baelish so much, which is so weird because he goes against everything I... Like yeah. believe in and that I complain about on Facebook all day long. Like I am constantly like, just tweeting about how I cannot stand men like this. But for some reason, he just his, does it for you. His little yeah. weasel smile, just the whole thing. Just <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I love about fan fiction and even just like erotic art. You know, like mm-hmm. you, it can be something that you're completely just like, this is not what I'm into in everyday life. But I don't know, it can just like work, and you don't have to question it that's too much. Like spoiler alert. But if I were Sansa, I wouldn't have had him killed. I would have just put him in a dungeon to use whenever I felt like it. <laughs> Don't you think? That sounds like uh, you have a story on your hands. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm just saying. Like, yeah. yeah, alternate ending. Yeah. yeah you got to write that. Yeah. yeah. 
Sophie, what? Who, which fictional character do you want to have sex with? What fictional character do? Are we being Harry Potter specific? It can no, be it can anyone. Be anyone. We were just in Games of Thrones. Yeah. So. Do you know the musical Cats? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this is a very on-brand answer. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let your partner know. <laughs> we can tell Mustafa. He'll understand. Or does he already know? He doesn't know. He. I don't think he... Anyways, there's the musical Cats. Um, I recently re-saw it with my aunt, which was a whole awakening because... Okay, so there's this character called Rum Tum Tugger. And oh, hot God. And All the right. whole song is like, Rum Tum Tugger was a curious cat. Ooh. And there's, you know, you know what they're talking about. Uh-huh. And um, he's like the rock star. And I saw I saw cats when I was little. Um, I didn't grow up in New York, but uh, I have, have an uncle who lives here. So we would come visit him. And my mom took me and my sister to see cats. And, oh, obviously the other answer for anyone who knows me, is Jareth the Goblin King, played by David Bowie from Labyrinth. Of course. So it was a combination of Jareth the Goblin King and Rum Tum Tugger from Cats, but there's this other very fabulous character in Cats called um, Mr. Mistopheles, who just dances, and he's like, like Rum Tum Tugger's vibe is like rock and roll vibe, but magical Mr. Mistopheles is like glam, sparkly tuxedo doesn't talk just dances but rum tum tugger sings the song about how wonderful magical mr mistopheles is so when i re-saw as an adult i was like I need, i'm gonna oh my god i need to write fan fiction because rum tum tugger and mr mistopheles are totally have this gay love affair that no one talks about at least no one that i've seen about but if you go and watch cats rum tum tugger and mr mistopheles are completely in love like, you, should, you should totally write this. I, I feel like yeah. theater nerd fan fiction is like an untapped niche. I, I mean, it, or even just like reporting. Like, I want to see a deep dive. I of want this. to. Yeah. It's okay. So, Mr. Mistopheles doesn't sing, he just dances. So, someone has to sing the song for him. And it's such a beautiful song. Like, it's like I. Sophie's tearing up. If I want to. <laughs> no, okay. This is really morbid. I don't have a. I have um, a funeral playlist ready of songs I want to play at my funeral. And well, that's not them. morbid. That's prepared. Thank you. That's Thank you. Virgo Moon coming that is out. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, like a whole choir comes out for Mr. Mistopheles' song, and it's all about how there was never a more magical cat that you'd ever meet. But Rum Tum Tugger, they first portray him as all these like female cats, sexy cats dancing around him, and you think he's just like a player, but then he sings this song for. Mr. Mistopheles, and you're just like, oh, this is where his heart lies. <laughs> so, so answer is Rum Tum Tugger. Real answer is I, as an adult, I'm more curious in his, um, in the homo erotic situation going on between him and Mr. Mistopheles that is not discussed, but I don't know how anyone cannot discuss, discuss it after seeing it. I love how your answer included both just one character, but also a ship. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, we're sailing just, off into the sunset are, with this. We are. I'm going to send you both their photos there. Yes. I wish I could. I might, I might, I don't know the copyright, but I might have to put in the like background song of Magical Mr. Mistopheles as we're singing. As we're talking. Send the uh, MP3 link. It rolls like 30 seconds or less or something. You can just sample it. it. Um, it'll get you. It'll get you. So you're a Pisces. Yeah. In my experience, most of the Pisces I've met have made it a goal early-ish in their dating career 
to date as many of the signs as possible, if not all of them. Hmm. Do you share this seemingly common Pisces trait? And if so, which sign have you enjoyed the most out of your Um, sampling? (laughs) I feel like, wow, this is low-key a dragging because I didn't plan for it to happen. But I'm looking back at my dating history and I'm like, no, I've got like all the elements covered already. So (laughs) maybe it has been. Um, Pisces people like to sample. I do. I do. I like, like recently I went... um, like how to date and somebody was kind of like, well, what's your type? I was like, what What do you mean? I don't have a type. I'm kind of just like more of an energy person. Like if I vibe with you, then like that is more attractive to me than like if you have specific qualities. I just, I don't know. It's hard to say because I just feel like it's just very innate for me. Like attraction is like, it's either there or it's not. And I just know it kind of thing, which I know is like super annoying, but. <laughs> no, that's real. Yeah. But it's true. It is. It's like it's very much like just a feeling based uh, action for me. But I guess my favorite. Well, <laughs> Sophie will know who I'm subtweeting right now. But <laughs> except for like one person, um, I feel like Scorpios have been like my favorite. <laughs> it's funny because I'm with a Cancer currently, but I've dated so many Pisces. Like mm-hmm. Scorpio Pisces relationship is beautiful. It's yeah, we we talk magic. about that. One of our last episodes, we were like, "What do you like?" And we're both Sophie and I were both like Pisces. Pisces fucking love Pisces. Hey, <laughs> and like I've had really good like there are certain signs that I feel like I've had really good sexual chemistry with, but then trying to like translate that into a romantic relationship was just like, why why are we doing this? And which signs were those? Um. You're, you don't have to share. No, I'm specifically thinking about uh, a Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that And that relationship was just like entirely just like in flames. Just like what was even going on? Um, and then also, well, one person that I was very sexually connected with, but like the relationship I think could have worked, but it was more of just like a bad timing kind of thing was a Virgo. Mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because at, at that point I was kind of like attracted to like how different we were in terms of like I would literally just like spiral about everything and he's just like nah just chill <laughs> like but that's like how he would just like process and like at that point like that was really attractive to me and mm-hmm. it, I think to an extent it's still attractive but it just you know yeah yeah it's been like different dating people of different signs not just based on signs, but also gender and gender identity and sexuality. Because I feel like with queer folks, I've had different experience with different experiences with, even if I've dated um, the same sign with like cis dudes That's so mm-hmm. true. before. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that your grandmother is like a witch too. Do you, mm-hmm. do you like sort of like take some of that, like her practice to, into your own? Yeah. So I feel like um, with her, um, she really got me into like astrology and tarot. So like these are things that I also practice. And every time I do them, they, especially with the tarot, I feel like there is definitely like that connection there. Like I feel like it's, I don't know. It's like something I've just recently started thinking about in terms of like um, this idea of giving thanks to ancestors. And like for a long time, like that was a super touchy subject for me, just being like being black and not necessarily knowing where I'm from and not having like knowing that I have that I have ancestors, but not 
knowing their names or where they come from or like the history of like what my lineage exactly is like that's something that's super personal and super hard to talk about I think sometimes but Mm -hmm. lately I've just been in probably like the last few months I've started thinking about like my grandmother but also like um, artists and writers and like people that inspire me as also being like my ancestors that I can incorporate and like give thanks to so like people like Audre Lorde um and Nella Larson and like people that really helped to shape like different aspects of like my identity or um my writing or just like all these different parts of me like those I see them as my ancestors too I'm like (laughs) trying not to tear up but no that's beautiful yeah and I think that that's like definitely something that as I meet more um like witches especially more like witches of color and black witches um I feel like that connection is like something that becomes stronger too just like different interpretations of like incorporating our identities into our witchcraft yeah do you write your own spells or do you like sort of source from books or like how do you do it um I kind of do a mix of both like Mm -hmm. I like to kind of experiment um and see what I what kind of works for me and like tweak it um but most of the time like yeah, I feel like it really depends on, like, the topic of what I'm focusing on. So if I'm doing, like, a self-care um, or even just, like, a protection spell for, like, my friends and stuff, like, those are things that I don't really follow a certain, like, ritual with. Like, that's kind of, like, I just do on my own. But if I'm doing something specific, so, like, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, very recently I tried to do a, like, a hexing spell <laughs> that I needed like oh my god um, which I need yeah okay so there's a story behind that so are we gonna go there Let's oh go we're there. going there I don't I don't <laughs> care we're going there so um recently had a situation of somebody who um was very gaslighting and just very um dismissive and just not cool with like how they treated me um and how they ended their relationship with me and I was like really like worked up about it because I was like that that wasn't cool so (laughs) I was talking to Sophie and she was like you should do a hexing on him (laughs) and I was like you know what you're right because I was like you know I oh I should add my Mars is in cancer too so it takes a lot for me to get like really really Hulk angry and like need to take action with it because most of the time I'm just like I just want to cry and then like I'll be over it in, yeah like, Mars and Cancer is not really looking for a confrontation no so it takes like a lot for me to get like really really angry but it was a situation where I was just like no I need to like channel this into like an action so we went to enchantments um and I got like a white candle and I was just gonna do some simple what I thought was some simple candle magic um, cause I was like, I don't want to banish this person from existence. <laughs> like I'm not that angry. I was just like, how about some of the energy that was like negatively directed towards me? I just want to redirect mm-hmm. to them and then just like be done with it. Right. So I get home and I like wrote, um, this person's name, like on a piece of paper and I like, put it on top of the candle and was just going to like watch it burn and do the ritual and like be done. So <laughs> As soon as I light the candle, the flame was probably as twice, twice as big as this flame. It was like several inches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was as wide as the circumference of the top of the candle. 
So immediately I'm just like, oh shit. Because I also don't do fire magic. Like that's just, mm -mm. I don't do that. <laughs> so I'm just like, um, I don't, I don't know. But okay, whatever. We're just going to do it. And then I can just like take out the candle and like, it'll be fine. Right. So I do my ritual and I'm at the end of it. I'm ready to like clean up and go to bed. And I go to blow out the flame and it would not go out. So I'm just like, okay. How about if we like adjust the angle, like try this again and this flame would not go out. And it was like super, like super strong flame. Like it did not go down as levels of intensity. Like it was like that strong and like ready to just like, I don't know, hop out or something the entire time. So I'm like freaking out at this point. I'm like calling all my witchy friends and everyone's asleep because <laughs> it's the middle of the night. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is it. This is, this is how I end. <laughs> so, um, one of my friends calls me back and I tell her what's going on and she's like, okay, we'll just like smother in your sink with a pot and like, you should be fine. So I go to do that and I just like rim the pot with like some water and like, I was just going to like lower it over the candle. And before I could even lower the pot, like onto the candle, like it was probably like just hovering over the top. Right the candle shatters in my face. <gasps> it just, like, breaks. I know. Oh, my God. And it was, like, the weirdest thing. And then also, my like, the wax from the candle was still hot, and my sink was clogged for, like, two days. So oh, no. That was that. So I'm convinced, like, this person was a demon. So I'm just, like... It sounds uh, like it. Yeah. What did you feel when that happened? Like, what was your in intuition telling you was going because I remember we were yeah called me we were trying to figure out yeah we were trying to like interpret everything like what does the flame mean yeah. also like the way that it broke too was yeah. like because it was a clean break almost it just like it literally just snapped in half wow. in the sink um but I guess my initial feelings is like whoo I'm glad that's over there and it's not like on me and then also like a sense of relief that like this person is no longer like in my life too because I'm just like wow this just again I don't want this like on me at all too so like it's a blessing that this person is like no longer here yeah kind of terrifying though especially since yeah. <laughs> you weren't left with a lot of closure or explanation in this case of yeah. the relationship anyways yeah. I mean we call it burning bridges for a reason mm -hmm. you're not going to get closure if you're using fire magic oh I mean maybe yeah. you could but like in well. general <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just you know, when we're thinking closure, we might be thinking more water element or, or even air. Like, I feel like I've gotten more closure doing meditation on this than yeah. I have necessarily doing the candle magic. Lighting incense, meditating, breath work. Mm. It's the air stuff that, like, facilitates communication and, like, that's going to be what brings you closure. Yeah. Candle magic is going to bring you great lay. <laughs> but I think that it's like cool that we can do both like that's yeah, the fun of exactly. witchcraft you can like mix and match and just like figure it out absolutely the, along the way tell me a little bit about how consumerism and witchcraft and that that whole mess tell me a little bit about that okay so one thing that's like sticking out in my head is like I wasn't really public about my witchcraft because I felt like I needed to have certain things and do things in a certain way for it to be seen as legitimate witchcraft. Right. And a big thing for me was like, honestly, the financial aspect of it is like I don't have like all this money to like go out and like buy all these like really bougie like soaps and incense and like all these brand new things. Right. That are like from shops that are 
I don't know where they're sourcing their products from. I don't know where they're coming from. Um, I don't know where the money is like going or like if my values are aligned with these like shops or like people that I'm finding like on social media and stuff and like how do I how do I utilize the things that I already have and like things that are important to me um, within like my witchcraft? Like that was a super hard question for me to answer for a long time. Um, And even like the idea of an altar, I've kind of like struggled with because of that same thing. Like I felt like it needed to be like Instagram ready and like have all these things. But I feel like now I'm just like, no, that's, that's bullshit. (laughs) It doesn't. Um, So like even thinking about like my altar right now, it's like, really I have like my little crystals and like my journal and like um sister outsider (laughs) and their eyes are watching God and like a picture of my parents and that's my altar and that like these are all like super personal things that mean a lot to me but also it's not necessarily focused on like the financial aspect of it like I feel like I don't need to like take a picture and like justify like this is where I got all this stuff from or like break down why they're there it's kind of like this is my altar this is my space and I think that that's like super important too yeah I mean I feel like if you look at your altar and think yes this is Instagram ready you're doing it wrong yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah like it's super personal it's like that's it's not even something that I photograph because I'm like I don't which honestly I don't even photograph or like document my practice a lot often like I think maybe I may post like a tarot reading that I do once in a while, but like, that's really it. It's really just like a practice that I do for me and like my friends and like, it's not really for public consumption. Yeah. Sometimes I'll post like photos of a candle spell, but I'll also just cause I'm like, Oh, this looks pretty and, mm-hmm. and glittery. But I think there's power in, I don't know if secrecy is the right word too. Absolutely. When yeah. you keep something secret, you make it sacred. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'll do a spell and just straight up be like, I don't want to put this on social media because I don't even want any other thoughts to come yeah. here. Yeah, no way. And I think about like different, so like I'll take pictures of one of my friends. She like shaded me this weekend. She was like, cause I don't really post pictures on my Instagram. Like I don't really post that often. Um, and she was like, yeah, you really only post when you change your hair color. <laughs> and I'm like, but that's like, that that's sounds okay. like someone I know, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. like those are, and that's not to say that like making your things public is a bad thing because again, there are people that like, they'll have all of all the documentation of their witchcraft online. And like, that's super powerful for people that like may not have a shop to go to or friends to talk about it with. So like having these resources online are super important and like a form of accessibility. But I think it's just like understanding that it, that's not a requirement. You don't have to put everything outside for other people to interpret. It's like really just like up to you and like what, what makes you feel good as a person that's like practicing this thing. Yeah. And I think maybe a message I would have for new witches is don't, don't compare what you think your magic should be like compared to what you see online mm-hmm. because you're not seeing most of it out there. You're just seeing some of it. Yeah. And then that goes back to like an important question of like, well, what is magic too? Cause I think that like something I've been doing a lot lately is like cooking for myself, but also cooking with friends and like cooking with other people. And I think that that can be a form of magic too, oh, yeah. or even like for femmes, just like, doing makeup or like putting oh, makeup's powerful. yeah or even like nail polish and like different things like that like those are super powerful forms of magic 
um, that like, yes, are based in like aesthetics, but like that doesn't take away from their powerfulness. Um, I have a note to make about like accessible witchcraft because if as Annabelle and Sophie know, I have like the most fucking extra altars in the entire <laughs> world, but I like don't buy shit. I'm like very mm. into found objects and mm. things like that. And Me like, too. I think there's like such a big, like you don't need to buy that $60 crystal. No. Walk yeah, down no. the street, get a plant identification app. You'll fucking notice that there's so much of this shit that just grows wild. Mm-hmm. Like in, yeah. especially in New York city. Cause we're full of like invasive species and stuff. Yeah. But then also like I'll go anywhere and I'll get some dirt and put it in like a dollar tree jar. Like mm-hmm. you pick up rocks that you like find along the way. Like you find, sea glass like you can build a beautiful altar without spending any fucking money and that's like so much more beautiful I think in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. so speaking of you know working with real people within your magic are there any people that you want to shout out or that have been important to you lately yeah so I think in terms of like just media images uh Rochelle from the craft was like super important to me growing up um and I didn't know this until like I went online and was like looking her up but she's actually a water witch which is super cool and I was just like okay and I wish so like on the wikipedia was saying that she's like a strong spiritual witch so like there was evidence of her like having like telepathy or very spiritual based powers and I'm like damn why didn't we get any of that and also I just feel like the hill that I'm going to die on is that she didn't, she could have kept her powers. It wasn't that bad. That person was, that girl was literally a racist and like, okay, yeah, her hair fell out, but I know. she deserved it. I, <laughs> hair I'm grows back. Feel. Yeah, exactly. You can wear a wig. <laughs> like there's a, you're good. She should have kept her powers. Absolutely. Exactly. We need a, um, a craft reboot. That's. An oh yeah. Yeah. So much. But I feel like that's like, the craft can be its own like episode. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, all, like ideas. Yeah. Nancy, it always, I There's hated so much that she was committed. I hated that she was committed. Like, yeah. That is- and that's like a big thing with like, um, which is throughout media too. So like another person that I thought of was Scarlet Witch from X-Men and like a big thing with like her canon history is that she's institutionalized and in a lot of like the reboots that she's in, she's like, she's crazy but like why is that I don't know I just feel like that's just such a trope that needs to die in general yeah especially for it's notice noticeable in witchcraft Mm. but yeah stop calling us crazy or else I'll show you how crazy I am (laughs) (laughs) basically (laughs) in that voice (laughs) well yeah thank you so much for coming thanks for having me thank you for this conversation this is great. This was yeah. great. This we was should write some craft fan fiction where we write alternate <gasps> endings. Yeah. <Yes. laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. All right. 